Welcome in to the newest edition of the Just In Time Sports Podcast. I am your host, Justin Jackson. And remember, you can download us and follow us on iTunes and Spotify. And also follow the social media handle at Sports. We're on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, the like. And so if you see at Sports on one of these four social medias, it's us. So definitely follow it for podcast updates along with mostly breaking news and our highlights as well. So definitely give that a follow. But in this week's episode, we'll be talking about the NFL, what's going down there. We will have our NFL betting segment, Jack's Pack. We will talk about the NBA's opening week and some news. We will talk about the MLB's playoffs, and we will have our best for last. Now, I hope you guys sit back and get ready to learn something. Welcome into the show. We have an absolutely packed show today, as usual. We've got the NFL. You've got the NFL betting segment, Jazz Pack, which was wildly successful last week. Very excited and very happy about that. The NBA is officially back. So we're no longer talking about just opening news. We're not talking about breaking news or offseason news or whatever. We're also talking about games. We're talking about how teams looked in the first couple of days of the season. Some teams like the Warriors have played two. Most of the league, like uh, the Lakers, the Pelicans, etc., have only played one game. Six is one game. But, you know, it's the first time we've seen them on the floor. The Nets have played one game. Uh, so, you know, we're going to definitely talk about them. Major League Baseball right now is in the championship series round for both series. Um, is or both uh, leagues, I'd say, NL and AL. And, of course, best for last, uh, we'll talk about that. But let's jump right into the NFL. Let's jump right into the game last night. Um, it was the game of back with quarterbacks. Yeah, 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 no, I get it. Yeah, I, I get it. I get it. Teddy Bridgewater starts for the Broncos. And I, and I understand that Case Keenum started for the Browns last night. That was a game of two backup quarterbacks. And that was probably the most or the least impressive primetime game we've had all season. Game Standalone primetime game. I mean, Bucks and Eagles wasn't great for a half, but then that got better towards the end. Um, that game was tough to watch admittedly like I said it was a it was a game back of quarterbacks um I tweeted out early when Teddy threw a horrible pick I tweeted breaking news Teddy Bridgewater is not the quarterback for Denver um and I probably could have tweeted out the next possession break update neither is Case Keenum for the Browns but what I, watching that game last night it, it made me think of something Normally, when I watch games, I don't think about players not on the field. You know, like, I don't think about guys who have no bearing on the game whatsoever. Like, for instance, if I'm watching, uh, when I watch the Saints versus Patriots game, Drew Brees never entered my mind. Not not once, you know. I was, wa- I was watching, um, you know, Miami and Vegas, and not once did Tua cross my mind. He wasn't on the field. Now, the announcer kept mentioning him, so when they would mention him, it'd pop up like, oh, yeah, Tua's not there, but then we keep moving. We're going to talk about Tua a little later. At no point in that game did I stop thinking about Baker Mayfield. Now, you're probably wondering, well, yeah, they are probably thinking Justin. They showed him 50 times on the sideline, and every single time they did anything, they showed Baker's reaction. 
and saying, oh, I bet he's just dying to get out there, right in the middle of it. But I didn't think about Baker Mayfield in a positive manner. I thought about Baker Mayfield in a negative manner. Because Case Keenum walked the Browns down the field over the Broncos, good defense, touchdown. Just walked him down the field. Case Keenum scored 17 points against the Denver Broncos on a short week, not knowing if he was going to start, no preparation, no real first-team starter reps because it's a walkthrough week, and he scored 17. Now, 17 is not a lot. I'm not going to sit here and say Case Keenum scored, oh, my God, Case Keenum scored 17 points against some miracle. He scored 17. Baker Mayfield with Kareem Hunt, with a fully healthy defense and a full week scored 17 including a Hail Mary against the Cardinals the week prior now you're thinking well, what's, what's, what's your point Justin Case Keenum the third string running back um, now he did have Jarvis Landry back so that's a help I, I give you that but Case Keenum the third string running back with neither offensive tackles on a short week versus a great defense in Denver, scored 17. Baker, on a normal week, Sands, Jarvis Landry, add Kareem Hunt, scored 17 against the Cardinals, and really only got to 17 because he got a Hail Mary in there right at the end of the half. Otherwise, he earnestly scored 10. And yet, you're going to try to convince me that Baker Mayfield deserves what uh, anything other than 32 million dollars at most is a travesty if i'm cleveland this morning i call denver i call the giants i call the dolphins i call the panthers i call i don't know houston now, the Panthers are in a situation where they may think they have the better quarterback in Sam Darnold, and that's arguable. But if you're one of those other teams, Cleveland picks up the phone, your current year first-round pick for Baker Mayfield. Deal? If I'm one of those other organizations, I think, hell yeah. And think about it, Houston's probably going to try and draft the quarterback anyway. Why not get one ready-made and ready to go in Baker Mayfield? Miami's thinking about moving off to a Tiger Valoa. Why not get one ready to go in Baker Mayfield? You know he wins games, at least. He can play. He's a starter. If I'm, um, you know, I can't think of a team I name, but if, if I'm a Carolina, I consider it. I wouldn't necessarily do it, but I consider it. If I'm the Giants, I look around and say, this team has talent. I mean, we're probably going to use our first-round pick for Daniel Jones anyway, or get another quarterback anyway. Why not pick up Baker Mayfield, pay him, a decent salary, guarantee most of it, so he's willing to sign a, a lesser cap extension. And, you know, we use another, we figure out a way to get some more offensive linemen in here. Now we got a ready-made team. We got the second-best quarterback in the division. You know, we're immediately ready to go. If you're the Giants, Washington football team, why not get Baker Mayfield? Everything else on the team is ready to go. You don't have a quarterback. But if you're Cleveland, don't be the guy in high school that likes the girl because the girl likes him. Baker Mayfield loves Cleveland. Wanna know why? He is Cleveland. He's an underdog. He walked on at Texas Tech and became the starter. Transferred, walked on at Oklahoma, won the Heisman, number one pick. Then anywhere he goes, Cleveland. 
Baker Mayfield was too small, pretty much, to get a big-time D1 scholarship. So he walked on at Texas Tech. He kept Kyler Murray at bay for a year, which in, in hindsight is incredibly impressive. He's an underdog. He loves Cleveland. Loves it. Loves the fans. Loves the dog pound. Loves everything about it. All this progressive commercials, where do they happen? In the Cleveland Stadium. In First Energy Stadium. He loves that place because it's him. But Cleveland, don't be the guy that likes the girl because the girl likes them. You can do better. So do better. Case Keenum isn't Baker Mayfield. I won't disrespect Baker Mayfield in that way. He's not. But you know what Case Keenum is? Baker Mayfield in about seven years. Don't do this, Cleveland. Don't say, you know, Baker's, you know, we drafted Baker number one and you know, we got we to gotta pay him. You don't. You can trade him right now and probably get a first round pick, maybe a first and a fourth, a high first and a fourth at that. Because if you trade him now, he'll take him two weeks to get acclimated with the team. The teams around him won't be great. You'll probably end up with a top 10 pick, maybe top 12, better than the pick you were going to have. And you could draft a quarterback. There's Malik Wells. There's Sam Howell, you know, Slovis. There's some guys in this draft that can play a little bit. Spencer Rattles got talent. A lot of red flags, but he's got talent. Drop Sam Howell into that Cleveland offense. You're probably no worse off than you are with Baker Mayfield. And you're a lot cheaper because you don't have to pay him, which you're going to have to pay Baker on the extension. Look, Cleveland, I say trade him. If you sign him, no more than $32 million a year. Long term it. Guarantee a good chunk of it. You know, but long term it. So that way it looks marginal in a couple of years when they may be a $50 million quarterback in Kyler. But don't fall in love with the girl who fell in love with you just because she fell in love with you. You can do better, Cleveland. I strongly advise you to do better because that offense with Case Keenum didn't look much different than that offense with Baker Mayfield. Case Keenum has one good year starting in his life. Baker Mayfield has about eight, nine games. In about 51, he's never had a three-game stretch where you went Baker played well. If I'm Cleveland... I'm ending the Baker Mayfield era sooner rather than later. But let's move into games last week. Are the Chiefs back? I mean, they play Washington. I mean, they played a team with no name. They're the Washington football team. They literally have no name. And in turn, they have no game. I mean, Washington played well. I mean, they played, it was what, 13 to 10 in the third quarter. And then the Chiefs scored 21 straight. The defense clamped down. And... The national media was ready to roll. Here we go again. The Chiefs are back. This is everybody's prediction. The Chiefs are back. The Chiefs are back. It, it felt like Paul Revere running around talking about the British are coming. The British are coming. The Chiefs are back. The Chiefs are back. Are they? I mean, you played the Washington football team, whose starting quarterback currently is Taylor Heineke. Doing a mental list of the NFC East quarterbacks. He's what? Third? He's not Dak Prescott. God, no. He's not Daniel Jones. I believe he's third. No, he's fourth. I would take Jalen Hurts over him. I mean, you guys know how I feel about Jalen Hurts. 
I would take Jalen Hurts over him. He's the fourth best quarterback in his own division. I like Taylor Heineke. He's got games. He's got guts. His story is great. He literally had to take a final early, or he had to move a final, I know for sure, because he had to play in a playoff game because he was still in school because he just assumed that football thing wouldn't work out. Maybe Taylor Heineke is a better scout than the scouts on the Washington football team. I don't know. But we're in love with the Chiefs. The media loves the Chiefs. They're the new golden children. It's sort of like when the Patriots dynasty had that 10-year break. People kept saying, oh, will the Patriots ever get back? But people always pick the Patriots to get back, and they just weren't doing it. The Chiefs entered that airspace. Yes, they look great for a quarter and a half. They have the most or the second most turnovers in the entire league juxtaposed or right next to the Jacksonville Jaguars who just got their first win in London. Are the Chiefs really the team we think they are? Offensively, kind of. I mean, it seems like man up too deep has been the way to go. Drop two safeties back. Tyra Hill has no one to race, has no one to take off and jet against. Bracket Kelsey, pretty much at all times, you double him, single everybody else. No real run game to speak of. Are the Chiefs really that team? Oh, and the defense is god-awful. I don't care what they did against Taylor Heineke. God-awful. And to make matters worse, I don't think it gets better for the Chiefs. Yo, Justin, what do you mean? The Chiefs' defensive coordinator is Steve Spagnola. He's had a lot of defensive coordinator jobs. Lots of them. Tons of them. Even a couple of head coaching gigs. Steve Spagnola, this is currently coordinating a defense that rivals that of the infamous 2012 worst defense by yardage in the history of the National Football League New Orleans Saints. Coordinated by Steve Spagnola. Now, Spag has had some other gigs, but he's been pretty solid. He keeps getting gigs. But he doesn't seem to be a coach that can correct an issue. He's a coach that either continues the trend or doesn't make it worse. Now, you can say the Chiefs have injuries. Mm, not really. I mean, Tom Matthews still there. They, they, can't, they can't get Frank Clark and Chris Jones on the field together, so that's pretty much a main problem. And last week, you had to bench Daniel Sorensen. But you bench him against Cena with no real deep threat. Sorensen's is fine when he has me to play close. He's not very good going deep. Um, you know, like I said last week, they had there's a video now of Tyron Matthew, a compilation of Tyron Matthew holding his hands out while Daniel Sorensen's getting beat deep by like 15 yards. It's 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 insanity how often it happens. Um, but are the Chiefs really back? Like like like, like I know we want to say that. But are they really back, or are they the Seahawks? Like, yeah, they'll be competitive for the rest of Patrick Mahomes' career. That's no doubt. They may even win another Super Bowl. Because Russell Wilson should have two. So they may even win another Super Bowl. But the talks of them talking about not five, not six, not seven. I mean, first of all, I think that phrase is cursed. Because the person who said it still doesn't have five. And LeBron, he has four. But you only had two in Miami. And the Chiefs are struggling. I mean, what are they? They're tied third place in their division now? 
Yeah, because they have three wins. Denver has three wins. Um, Raiders have, what, four wins. And the Chargers have four wins. So currently, they're tied for third in their division. They're really fourth and three and a half. I don't know what the obsession is with Kansas City. No, I, I get it. I get it a little bit. I get it. It's Patrick Mahomes. It's the new kid on the block. It's the guy we want to see be successful. It's Andy Reid. We all love Andy Reid. We love Big Red. He always all he wants is a cheeseburger and to win games. We love Big Red. We like Eric B. Enemy. Okay, we love Patrick Mahomes. We like Tyreek Hill. We love Travis Kelsey. We love Tyron Matthew. I get it. They're a Midwestern American team. I understand. Hell, the original owner of the team is, is the AFC Championship's name beneficiary, Lamar Hunt. I get it. But it's not real. It's a perception not based in reality. It's it's rooted in wants and desires. I don't think there's a Chiefs dynasty awaiting. I think it's the Chiefs success i think the chiefs will have the greatest 15-year run the franchise will ever have with patrick mahomes up behind under center but i don't anticipate this massive run of five super bowls unmitigated dominance oh my god the chiefs you may get a second one maybe i mean it's really hard to win these things if you're naming brady i mean think about it over the past 21 years since the year turned 2000 Brady's got seven. Ben's got two. Breeze's got one. Rodgers has one. Russell Wilson has one. Hell, Joe Flacco has one. Nick Foles has one. I mean, besides Ben and Tom Brady, does anybody else in the last 21 years have more than one? I can't think of it if they do. Not quickly, anyway. So, it's really hard to win more than one of these things. Hell, it's hard to win one. And you got the one, and it's because Jimmy Garoppolo overthrew Emmanuel Sanders by about two yards, or you might not have the one. Calm yourself, Chiefs Nation. It's not going to be as easy as you think. Moving on to our next game, Ravens and Chargers. That looked like a mismatch from the jump. That looked like the old school, like, wishbone. I don't even call it the wishbone. That was like Oklahoma versus Oklahoma Central University. I'm not even sure there is Oklahoma Central, but that's what it felt like. That felt like Alabama crushing, like, the best Missouri team of the last 20 years like that was LSU playing the best I don't know Mississippi State team in the last 15 like it was it was an utter mismatch of talent um and it, honestly it's the NFL so it wasn't even a mismatch of talent that game was over in about the first quarter Justin Herbert looked as bad as he has looked since Oregon um and Lamar Jackson didn't even play Great. He had a hundred and something yards passing, one touchdown, two picks, passer rating below 70. It was a very mundane, some would say bad game for Lamar. Um uh, following two great games um that he's had and he wasn't playing, he didn't play well. He didn't have to. The Chargers were completely overmatched. Um they ran into an absolute buzzsaw in MT Bank Stadium in Baltimore. 
it was brutal, actually. Um, admittedly, I stopped paying close to about third quarter. Uh, absolutely annihilation. The Ravens dominated that game from start to finish. The Chargers never had a chance. Um, and the Chargers analytics came back to bite them. Uh, they went forward a couple of fourth downs in, in situations. Um, to me, it showed a mix of trust and desperation because they saw the way the Ravens were running through their defense. And so they decided to go for it on a fourth and four. They went for it again like a fourth and seven, either right around midfield or in, in minus territory. Didn't get either. Ravens capitalized on both of those situations and the game was over. Um, and that's the, you know, that's the flip side of analytic football is that when you have, when you miss, when you have those opportunities and you miss, you pretty much set up your opponent in scoring range. They have three. So in an, in an effort for you to turn three to seven, you start them with three and they can turn three to seven. So you're in a spot where analytic football could cost you. Um, and it cost the Chargers. Uh, like I said, the Ravens are ready to go start to finish. Even on a day when Lamar didn't play well. But you saw Le'Veon Bell. You saw Latavius Murray. You saw the, emer- the arrival of Rashad Bateman. He caught a couple of passes. Uh, you saw that defense really, really lock in on the Chargers and play, like I said, a hell of a game. So good job to the Ravens in that game. And they sit sole first place of the AFC right now. Um, not just the AFC North, but the entire conference. You remember that game I referenced earlier? Remember remember that game I said uh, Case Keenum and Baker Mayfield? We're going to dive into that game a little bit more. Just a little bit. We we touched on it a lot, so we're going to dive into it just a little bit. Cardinals-Cleveland. That game was an absolute annihilation. Now, admittedly, I watched that one start to finish, um, but that one was an absolute annihilation. It wasn't close. And it wasn't just close between... The rosters or the teams, it was it wasn't close between the quarterbacks. Baker Mayfield is living in the reality of what it would be like if he made $35, 40 million dollars a year. You're not gonna have two booking tackles. You're not. You're not gonna have two booking tackles and two good receivers and two good running backs and two good tight ends and two great edge rushers and a great defense tackle and a good linebacker and two good corners and a great safety. You're not. Sorry, you're going to have one or neither tackle. You're going to have one or no great running backs. You might get your receivers, your quarterback, they get your receivers. And you still have most of your defense, if not all your defense. And you got boat raced, annihilated, destroyed, that absolutely crushed by that Kyler Murray and that Arizona Cardinals team. It's not even the offense. I thought the offense would rain hell on people all year and have to win games 40-35 weekly. No, they're blowing people out. Um, J.J. Watt, um, Chandler Jones, who wasn't there. Oh, by the way, Cleveland. By the way, Cleveland. Yeah, you didn't have your tackles. That sucks. You didn't have your main running back. Worse. Arizona didn't have their best pass rusher in Chandler Jones. They didn't have their head coach. Cliff Kingsbury had COVID and couldn't make the trip. They didn't have their quarterbacks coach. So Kyler Murray is getting his plays from the assistant receivers coach when they pass and from the running backs coach when they run. And you got boat raced. You got thrashed. You got annihilated. And you want to give Baker Mayfield, what was that again? A massive contract extension? Okay. Yeah, the Baker Mayfield with a torn labrum. So now we're gonna add injuries to his list of issues. Okay, yeah, that makes that makes sense. 
Yeah, that's perfectly wise. You see, he came in as a rookie and broke the rookie touchdown passing record. Kudos to him. And then he faltered because he had success. Came in overweight. Faltered. Really played underperformed. Took it on the chin. Underdog mentality. Walk-on mentality. He showed back up that next year, ready to go, ready to take on the world. Had a good season. And then five new commercials came out. And now you're doing this. Starting to see a pattern here. And I'm not willing to risk $35 to $40 million and losing two Pro Bowl level players behind that risk. Yeah, I'm okay. I move off Baker Mayfield. Oh, by the way, Arizona, give Calamari the biggest contract extension in the league. Maybe not Patrick Mahomes' length, but dollar amount about as soon as you can get it. That kid's worth $45 million plus. Get it done or guaranteed all of it if you wanted to have a little less on the cap itself. But get that contract extension done ASAP. Arizona, get it done. Cowboys? Front runners? I mean, yeah. We're moving to the Cowboys and Patriots now. Great win by Dallas. Bad loss by New England. Um, not bad in sense of, I mean, I had the Cowboys in Jack's pack, which we're going to talk about later. I'm, I mean, I'm, I mean, I think the Cowboys win the game. I didn't want them to. Selfishly, as a New England fan, I wanted to win that game, obviously. But I had the Cowboys winning the game. And they won the game. Now, they didn't win it. I thought they were going to win it, but they won. Kudos to them. Another loss where New England can go. Well, I've, I've done all week. Talking to friends and other fans of other teams. Another loss. But I can say two plays. We lost the game. We played them to a draw. But two plays. Fourth and four. When we were up three. Uh, on the Cowboys last drive. And they that got a conversion. Crazy catch by Cedric Wilson. And Aguilar dropping a pretty wide open slant. In overtime on the first drive. Otherwise, Dallas never gets the ball. we probably go down and score a touchdown. Because neither team was stopping the other one. Really, I mean, Trayvon Diggs caught a pick six in the very next play. And that's uh, Kenny Bourne bust a 75-yard touchdown. So neither team was stopping either one for long. And Aguilar catches that slant. We're having a different conversation this morning. But instead, we're not. Dallas find a way to win the game. That's what good teams do. That, that's what teams that compete for stuff do. They find a way to win. Teams, Dallas teams of the past, teams that aren't really contenders, find a way to lose that game. Uh, like the Patriots did, they find a way to lose it. I don't think they find a way to lose it necessarily. Um, but Dallas found a way to win it, and so that's what good teams do. I have them in the front of the NFC. Um, kudos to Dallas, who might finally be on to something. Oh, and the Derrick Henry MVP train, yeah, that thing needs to be rolling, rolling, absolute monster. It's like watching a refrigerator on wheels coming downhill. And I, I've started to tell people this because I've noticed this recently in Henry's run style, he has a tail. Um, so you know, watch the next time you watch the uh, Titans play. Henry has a tail. If there's nothing there, if he doesn't see a gap anywhere, he's crouched down a little further. He's tiptoeing to he's tiptoeing rather through the line. He is you no know, kind of moving slow, even moving like how you'd imagine a refrigerator would actually move. A storage fridge, a guy of his magnitude, a guy of his size. But watch when he busts those long ones. Watch how fast he accelerates. Watch his shoulders. He's running straight up. He is not tiptoeing at all. And the gears are already starting to run. The gears are turning because he knows he has something. And that's why people worry about, man, he's getting used so much. They, I talked to other people 
after the Tennessee Buffalo game in which Josh Allen literally fell on his face to lose it. And the people I talked to said, man, Henry gets used a lot. And I'm like, watch him run, though. He's not taking the shots. A, he's bigger than most people hitting him. But B, he's not taking the shots cleanly in the chest. He's turning the shoulder. He's turning his back. He's he's figuring out ways to take those shots. And he's taking them at a slower pace. So he has time to kind of maneuver out of a little bit of it. So he's not taking the full 300-pounder on his shoulders. He may be taking it more on the hip. Or slide up a little front so he's mostly falling on his back or something like that. But he's not really taking clean, elite, high-level shots. He's he's dodging them for the most part or making them as minimal as possible. Um, and so that's how I really worry about his usage rate. Now, they have a big game coming up, Tennessee does. Um, and it's big week for the AFC South in general. But um, because they can, Tennessee plays the Titans. Or Tennessee plays the Chiefs, rather. And we'll talk about that in a few minutes. Uh, just on a little bit of news, uh, Von Miller was hurt last night. Um, no official word on the extent of it, although his MRI, his x-rays rather, uh, came back clean. Um, and so no structural damage at the moment, um, but I'm sure they'll do further tests, MRI, etc. to find out if there's any ligament damage. We will try to keep you guys updated on that uh, whenever the news breaks, whenever the news comes out, we'll definitely be all over that. Uh, but as of now, no major concern from the team. Um, and Aaron Rodgers with the quote of the weekend, yelling at the Chicago Bears, I own you, as he was owning them. Apparently at the behest, or rather at the um, motivation of a woman giving him the double middle finger. And that drove him to basically black out and yell, I own you all my bleeping life. I own you, which, as Bears players have admitted, he kind of owns them. It was, I mean, you know, what are they going to say? Um, he, he definitely owns them um, at this moment in time. So, from the, you know, Aaron Rodgers, quote of the weekend with the I own you. But up next, we're going to jump to this week, NFL Week 7. Talk about what's going down there. are back and now we're gonna jump right into nfl week seven actually we're gonna jump right into the game i talked about not too long ago bills or rather titans and chiefs this is an important game patrick mahomes has not had a good year against um teams that matter in the afc he beat cleveland cleveland doesn't matter he lost to baltimore he lost to the chargers now he's got the Titans. Now, what you're trying to say, Justin, how do the Titans matter and the Cleveland doesn't? Well, Cleveland's got Baker Mayfield. Now, the Titans have Ryan Tannehill, but the Titans have a good chance of winning their division. I still believe ultimately the Colts come back and win that division. But the Titans currently have a good chance of winning that division. So they're going to matter. Patrick Mahomes has to win this game. This is in a situation where oh, it was a fumble at the end, or, oh, man, that defense, that Chiefs defense, ah, dang, if I only had a better defense, uh-uh. nope, none of that, I don't want to hear any of it, not one iota, not one drop, not one drip, 
None of it. Patrick Mahomes, if you're that guy, he has to win this game. Well, what do you mean he has to win this game to prove he's that guy? He's got an MVP. He's got a Super Bowl. He's been the two. I get that. I understand that. I I appreciate that. Hell, I honor it. The dude's a beast. But sometimes the beast has a hot streak. Yeah, that team was amazing. But remember now the Chiefs keep signing random receivers trying to find someone opposite Tyreek Hill. Now they even their retooled offensive line ain't great. Running backs always hurt. Tyree Hill frustrated as hell because he can't run right past people anymore. Yeah, yeah, he has to win this game because now I think the big part of the Chiefs, they're like the Warriors where you mentally lost the game before it started. Like you would show up against the Chiefs and in your head, you would go, my God, how are we supposed to beat them? And even if you had any, even if that wasn't the thought in your head, even if you showed up to the arena like, we're going to beat them, we got a plan, we're going to beat them, we got a plan. And you say all week, we're going to run this coverage, we're going to run this defense, and they're not going to be able to get through it. And they bust one. Tyree Hill bust one. They blow a coverage. He's just faster than you. He throws a slant and outruns you, something. And they break one. And all the week's preparation, all the week's confidence, even if it was false bravado to try to trick yourself into it, goes out of the window faster than faster than a chamber pot in the 1600s out of the window it goes and the confidence breaks and the Chiefs rally is on but yet he had never beaten Lamar Lamar jokingly even there's a little truth in all jokes called him his kryptonite Herbert staring up at him in a division played himself twice but never beat him especially an arrowhead check for Lamar, check in Arrowhead for Justin Herbert. Remember, Derrick Henry was supposed to run all over this defense a couple years ago in the playoff run, and didn't. Uh, they had a, the Chiefs' defensive line had a hell of a night. This would be part three of the Mahomes isn't in inevitable in the conference situation because Lamar would have beaten you. Herbert would have beaten you. And now King Henry would have beaten you. And unlike that defense that had both Frank Clark and Chris Jones pretty much at the peak of their powers, this defense only has one of them and not at the peak of his powers. I expect Derrick Henry to have a hell of a game. The only my way, if the if it gets to the fourth quarter and it's a seven-point game, the Titans are gonna win. Here's why. Derrick Henry gets better as the game goes on. We've seen that. He goes from like three yards of carry to like four yards of carry to like five yards of carry to like six yards of carry. Oh, damn near seven yards of carry as the game progresses. So we see we have statistical evidence that Derrick Henry gets better as the game goes on. Not surprising. He's a battering ram. He's a piece of like I said, a runaway refrigerator going downhill on wheels. He's a machine. So, yeah, as the game goes on, he's not wearing down. You're wearing down. And if he breaks one of those 65, 70-yard runs on you, now you're mentally just broken because I ain't saying we can't even catch him. So if he, even if he gets through, now we don't have any chance to triple him up. This game isn't in Jack's pack, so I'm going to pick it. And I'm going to pick the Titans. The Titans are going to win this game. The Tennessee Titans are going to win 
this football game. Derrick Henry's going to rush for a buck 50, buck 55, two or three scores. Ryan Tannehill is going to get a couple of deep ones to AJ Brown. Julio Jones going to make do going to make some hay. The Titans are going to win this game 38-30. Or 38-35. The Titans are going to win this football game. And the world is going to implode about 10 minutes after. Because then that would have been three of the teams that matter in the AFC beating you this season. Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, three of them. You can say your defense cost you the first one, even though Kyde was a lair fumbled. The second one, your defense cost you because they couldn't get just right off the field. And this one, I'm imagining your defense is going to cost you again. Like I said earlier, unless you want to make a splashy trade, or I'm going to say now, unless you want to make a splashy trade, like I said earlier, Steve Spagnuolo is not known to fix your bad defense. As the Saints in 2012, he was in and out in a year. I wonder why. So let's just see Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. I got the Titans. You're going to answer the bell or no? Because it's time. Panthers and Giants next. A very interesting game. A game I also do not have in Jack's pack, so we're going to pick it now. I'm going to pick it now. Right now, the Panthers are going to win this game. Panthers have a turnover problem. That's not great. They have an offensive line issue. Also not great, especially when the Giants employ Leonard Williams. However, the Panthers have the better quarterback. Sam Darnold is better than Daniel Jones. The Panthers have the better head coach. Matt Rule is a better head coach than um, Joe Judge. They have the better offensive coordinator. Joe Brady is better offensive coordinator than Jason Garrett. They have the better team, even in general. Even without C-Mac, they have the better team. There's no Saquon. There's no C-Mac. Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore, very comparable to uh, Darius Slade and Kenny Galladay. Hell, throwing Sterling Shepard in there. I've got the Panthers here. Panthers have a much better defense. As I said earlier, they have the better head coach. They have the better offensive coordinator. They have the better quarterback. The offensive lines are equally bad. I've got the Panthers here. Uh, road upset over the Giants. Uh, now, I do think they're two and a half point favorites, if memory serves me correctly. But, hey, you know, i got the Panthers here. So, give me Carolina. Sam Donald gets back on the winning track. Uh, he stays off the is Sam Donald going to be the quarterback next year talks for one more game at least. And we see... Um, a little bit more of the Sam Darn era. Hopefully, Joe Brady unleashes the offense a little more. Um, he came in and immediately designed a CMC-centric offense, which is smart. But without him, they've kind of struggled because it was so CMC-centric, uh, Christian McCaffrey. And so maybe they open up a little bit, get, had another week to figure out how to be not so running back-centric. In my opinion, the game of the week, um, Bengals-Ravens. Now, this is the game of the week. Also, not in Jazz Pack, so we're going to pick it. Um, Bengals-Ravens is a big game because preseason was my prediction. I had Bengals in the playoffs at 10 wins. Now, I'm a kicker, and Joe Burrow losing his mind for a game against um, the Bears. I'm a kicker against the Packers, and Burrow's three picks away from the Bears from being 6-0 and and looking like a freaking genius. But I'll take 4-2 and two right now. Um, this is a game I had them losing. Uh, I had them losing this game. So I actually had them at five and two 
after week seven because I had them beating the Bears. Um, and, um, you know, like I said, the kicker made a kick. I'm five and one right now anyway. But, hey, life. Um, so this is a big game because it finds out how real the Bengals are. The Ravens just annihilated the Chargers on that exact same field in MNT, in MNT Bank Stadium in Baltimore. Just ran through them, annihilated them, crushed them, demoralized them. It was rough. It was rough to witness as a football fan. That was not what you want to see between two high-level teams. And the Ravens made them look like they were a JV team. Like they didn't belong on the same field as them. Insert the Bengals, who has an all-confident leader in Joe Burrow, who has Zach Taylor, who's all-confident because he has Joe Burrow, who has one of the top receivers in the game already in Jamar Chase, um, bringing in T. Higgins, running with Joe Mixon, a defense that can get home um, with the Bengals. So it's going to be very interesting to see how the Bengals play against the Ravens. Like I said, this is my game of the week. Uh, this is the game I would definitely have on my television somewhere or on my iPad or something uh, watching this game in its entirety because this is a huge game for the Bengals. Imagine if the Bengals win this game. Not only do they beat the Ravens in Baltimore probably the first time in years, the first place in the AFC North for probably the first time in years this late in the season because they're only a game behind. Baltimore is five, five and one. The Bengals are four and two. Well, five and two and five and two, the Bengals are on a tiebreaker. So there's a good chance the Bengals will wake up Monday morning, first place in the AFC for the first time this late in the season since Carson Palmer, maybe Andy Dalton, maybe I, I, don't, I don't even know. It's it's been a very very long time. The Bengals have a lot on the line. They have legitimacy on the line. They have relevancy on the line. Because if they lose this game, especially if they get blown out, they're like, oh, they're the same Bengals. Just play the week schedule at the beginning. You know, they got, you know, whatever. But if they go into Baltimore, win by even three, they're legitimate. They're real. Baltimore doesn't have much to lose here. They didn't have a lot of gain, really. It's just more of keeping pace. Uh, Baltimore's biggest thing probably right now is health. Just getting people healthy. I mean, they Ronnie Staley announced on uh, social media this week that he won't be coming back this season. He's having seasonally ending ankle surgery. Uh, there's a lot going down. Um, uh, wait, wait. Breaking news. Uh, ben Simmons has spoken to Doc Rivers, Joel B, and the entire 76ers team today and accepted that everyone needs to take responsibility, including himself, but he told them that he is not mentally ready to play any game yet and needs time. So some big news out of the NBA, uh, huge news out of the NBA. Um, wow. Ben Simmons situation growing more complex by the day. And we'll talk about that a little later in the NBA segment. But back to football. There is a lot going down with the Baltimore Ravens organization. This is a big, it's not a huge game for them as an organization. It's huge for Cincinnati. This game means more for Cincinnati. I think Cincinnati is going to win it. Uh, it means more for the Bengals as an organization. It means more for them in terms of their confidence and their pride. So I've got the Bengals winning this game. Lions and Rams has the most drama. Uh, Jerry Goff returns to LA for the first time since being traded for Matthew Stafford. Uh, Jared Goff in his career still has not won a football game without Sean McVay as his head coach. He's 0-9. He lost all of the Jeff Fisher games. He's currently losing all of the Dan Campbell games. Uh, we're not going to pick a winner here because it is in Jack's pack. Uh, but this game has a lot of storylines. Like I said, the big one is the quarterbacks. Matt Stafford stayed in Detroit three or four years too long. 
You know, he probably should have moved on a long time ago and decided to stay in Detroit for some strange odd reason. Loyalty being probably the main one. Um, and he stayed in Detroit. Again, it probably cost him a gold jacket. It probably cost him the ability to be a legend in the game. Now, he has, he's 33, he has probably six years left if he wants it. So if he does, um, if he does do that and decides to stay for six years, he may end up getting a gold jacket anyway. Win a couple of Super Bowls, you know, get a gold jacket anyway. But his easy path in, or his path in with the Phillip Rivers, Eli Manning counting number argument uh, was severely hurt by the Detroit years. Uh, juxtapose that to Jared Goff. Jared Goff was on pace, Super Bowl appearance, a lot of passing yards every year, winning multiple games to have a better shot at the Hall of Fame than Matt Stafford because he was going to win a lot more with Sean McVay. Now that's thrown completely off of the rocker at this moment. But if you're Jared Goff, how do you feel going into that place? What is the expectation you receive from the crowd? Are you expecting cheers? There's no reason to boo you. Think about it. I mean, Jared Goff was a model person in the community. He helped out a lot. He helped him get to a Super Bowl. He was never the reason they didn't win football games, in my opinion. Uh, he didn't help. But he was never the reason why they lost. They didn't lose much. So I don't expect boos. I I expected a lot of cheers, honestly, or a neutral kind of a low roar of a cheer when he gets introduced. Um, you know, you're a Jared Goff. How do you feel driving up to the arena? Or driving up to the stadium, SoFi Stadium. First time you're going to see it full with people in it because he played the whole year last year with nobody in it at all. First time you're going to see people in it and instead of making a right to you down the hallway to go to the fancy, smancy, super over-the-top, amazing home locker room, you're going to make a left and go to the pretty solid but not amazing visitor's locker room. You're going to say hey to the staffers. As you go to the visitor's locker room, you're going to get introduced instead of this big, grandiose Jared Goff type thing. You're going to get Jared Goff. I mean, mentally, that is the house you were supposed to be in charge of for a decade plus. And in less than 18 months, you were shipped out to Detroit for their quarterback who regardless of the losing, they said it's so much better than you. We're going to dump you, pay you $24 million, and send you two first-round picks to go get him. And also pay him. It's got to be a weird feeling for Jared Goff. We're going to pick a winner later in Jack's pack. For Matt Stafford, you better win this game. This is a game you can't lose. Because if you lose this game in L.A. to the old quarterback, the fans are going to go, well, shh. How much better are we? If, if if Jared Goff can beat him with Detroit, how much better are we? Colts and Niners, a game I also would not pick due to it being in Jack's pack. Colts and Niners is a very interesting game for multiple reasons. For the Niners, you're trying to keep pace with the NFC West. Not necessarily the Cardinals, but you're trying to keep pace with the Seahawks aren't too, too dead in the water with Geno Smith, and the LA Rams exist. So you're trying to keep pace with those two organizations. Um... To really have a shot at a legit wild card spot, like I said, the Cardinals are the Cardinals are over. Don't worry about trying to catch them. Uh, but you still have a shot at the Rams. Um, so the, this is a huge game for the Niners, and Trey Lance may get his first win this week. Juxtapose that with the Colts. You're trying to keep pace with the Titans. The Titans won a game, and I didn't see them winning last week in the in the Buffalo Bills. Um, and so the Colts have a sweet spot. I say they need to get to five and five before playing the Titans again. 
um, you know, five and five for playing the Titans again, it's a chance that you arrive in Tennessee either already in front in the division, tied, or one game back if you get to five and five. And we're pretty much looking at both teams' schedule. I can see the Titans getting to that game at five and five. I can see the Colts getting to that game at five and five, and the winner of that game having a major leg up. The Titans could secure the outright tiebreaker by beating them, beating them twice. Outright tiebreaker. As for the Colts, you can eliminate the Titans tiebreaker and go a game up. So that would be a huge game in my opinion. Both teams could enter that game five and five. Uh, Tennessee reeling a little bit. Colts on a hot streak, and then that'll be around the time Hard Knocks. Uh, hard not to be in the coach facility so we'll be able to see that following tuesday the ramp up the preparation the practice and the post-game reactions um so that'll be huge that's what hard knocks wanted hard knocks wanted a team that's gearing up fighting to get in the playoffs the ultimate drama the highs and the lows um every single thing a part of uh every single thing a part of the highs and the lows of trying to get into the playoffs and trying to get in um trying to get in, trying to fight for a division. Carson Wentz on the redemption tour, etc. Jim Irsay, um, you know, etc. Trying to already promising Coast Nation they'll win the Super Bowl two times in the next 10 years. Um, again, which since the turn of the century, I believe only two quarterbacks top of my head quickly have multiple Super Bowls. That's Tom Brady and Big Ben. Um, so, 30 promises from Jim Irsay. Oh, Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning has two. My apologies. Indianapolis and Denver, he has two. Um, that's it, though. Eli Manning also has two. So four of them have two. Wow. So both Mannings have two. Brady has seven. Ben has three. The rest of the known universe has one since the turn of the century. Uh, my apologies on that earlier. So that's a huge game for the Colts. You got to start. You got to start pushing the ball downhill. You got to start pushing the ball. Start pushing the ball downhill and getting some wins, uh, stacking W's and get, like I said, the sweet spot would be five and five uh, to get you to uh, that game. And then, of course, Bears and Bucks is only interesting uh, because it'll be the largest age gap of quarterbacks in NFL history. 22 years. Justin Fields is 22. Tom Brady is 44. So that'll be the largest age gap in history. To put in context, when um, Tom Brady was being drafted into the NFL, Justin Fields was not yet born. So that is the biggest age gap in NFL history, which is why that game was interesting. But up next, we're going to have Jack's Pack, which is our NFL betting segment. Alrighty, guys, welcome back into the show. Now we're going to have Jack's Pack, the wildly successful Jack's Pack last week as we went 5 and 0. Oh. You heard it right, 5 and 0. Oh. After a 1 and 4 week, I said on the pod, I said we had a 4 1 week to get us back to 500. I did one better. We went five and zero. First time in the show's history we've gone five and zero. We didn't really get it. we didn't get it last year. It was very elusive. Five and zero. If you guys did a five game parlay, you made a lot of cheddar last week. Uh, five and zero last week. Hell, let's try and do it again. Admittedly, a lot of pressure coming off a five and zero week. Let's try and do it again. As usual, it's my new rule. We're gonna rank them one through five in terms of numbers I like. So if I was you and I listened to the show and I'm putting a little money on these games, I would bet more on the first three than the last two. If you catch my drift, um, 
my favorite number of the week patriots minus or jets at patriots patriots minus seven take the patriots i don't see how the jets score more than 13 to 17 points and so that means the Patriots have to get to 20 or 24 which 24 17 or 24 13 feels like the score to me uh the jets don't have an offense zach wilson's not good at football they're just not a good football team the Patriots are starting to find their offense lost in the in the cowboys game was nobody was really scoring on the cowboys when it mattered the Patriots scored 29 um you know so nobody's really scoring on dallas like that the pat scored 29 so the Patriots starting to find their offense a little bit um i got the patriots covering that fairly easily i would say 24 13 would be the score i would see uh maybe just get a touchdown off of zach wilson you know magic play maybe and then a couple of field goals uh you know a rushing touchdown from ramadre stevenson two mac Patterson touchdowns and a nick folk field goal feels like what the Patriots is going to do so 24 13 patriots over the jets Washington, my number two uh, game of the week. Washington at Packers. Packers minus seven and a half. Take the Packers. This was almost my favorite game of the week. It was almost like it was too easy. You know, last week I said it a couple times. I said, man, it's like Vegas have really bad numbers. Like it's just really easy money this week. And I went five and oh. And I'm not going to say all the numbers were easy. The last two numbers, that's three numbers, honestly, made me hesitant. Um, but the Packers are going to annihilate the Washington football team. We just saw what happened to Washington against Kansas City. The Packers have a much better defense and know what they're doing on offense a little bit better. Uh, I think Aaron Rodgers is going to shred that Washington defense, especially if the Washington still has no real way of getting pressure. Um, so I am going to go with the Packers to easily cover seven and a half uh, and take down Washington at home. Houston at Arizona. Arizona minus 17 and a half. Um, I haven't seen it bet down to 17. Uh, so that means the wise guys are on Houston side if it's moving like that. I'm going against the wise guys, going against the Sharks. I've got Arizona. Um, well, Houston's last two road games, they've lost by a combined 81 to 3. 41 nothing shutout against the Bills and 40 to 3 or something like that against the next opponent. Um, I got Arizona here winning this by 24 plus. We just saw what they did to Cleveland on the road. Denver's nowhere, not Denver, uh, Houston's nowhere near the talent of a Cleveland, and Arizona just annihilated them. So I've got the Arizona Cardinals absolutely wrecking shop against the Houston uh, Texans. I've got them covering 17 and a half. Like I said, in certain places, it's been bet down to 17, so you might be able to get a better number, just slightly. Um, 17 and a half could be a hook situation, but um, 17 and a half Arizona covers. Lions at Rams. Rams minus 16. Take the Rams. Um, I've got the Rams covering and winning this game. The Lions got absolutely wrecked by the Bengals. Destroyed. Punished. Annihilated. It was one of the easy numbers from last week. When I said the Bengals were getting three and a half, I was incredibly confused by that number um and so 16 is a lot um you know i'm trying to think of scores like 31 14 would cover 16 right um 30 to 14 would not now again i've seen a couple of places where this number's been back down even as low as 14 and a half so the, that means the sharks are moving a little money uh, on the lion side usually it's a shark thing to do numbers that big take the team getting those points it's almost a rule 
Um, but I've got the Rams covering here. Uh, I can I, got, I threw out 31-14, but I can see that being the score. I could see something along the lines of 38-13, you know, just an annihilation, similar to what the Rams did to the Giants last week, or similar to what the Bengals did to the Lions last week. Um, Lions just got blown out. Rams just blew somebody out. Now they're going to play on the field at the same time. You've got Matt Stafford loaded with emotion, Jared Goff loaded with motivation, um, and I've but I've got the Rams covering 16 in that game. And then lastly, the Colts at the 49ers, 49ers minus four, take the Colts. This one threw me. I wasn't I wasn't necessarily prepared for this one. I um this is one of those numbers that felt like am I looking at this wrong? Uh, I got the Colts here winning the game outright. Uh, so definitely covering the four, but I've seen it bet down. I've seen it bet down. Um, just as recently as this morning, I looked and saw that on a couple of sites, it was down to two and a half, even as low as two on a couple of places. So it's been bet down a lot. It's one of those the Sharks and me agree on. Um, this felt weird when I saw it was Colts plus four. I almost thought it was like a typo or something. Um, if it was Colts minus four, I'd be like, okay, I can see where you're going with this. But Colts plus four, that one was kind of easy. Maybe I'm looking at it the wrong way. Um, I even passed over it a few times in my list because I'm like, maybe, you know, I'm looking at it the wrong way. But I'm going to go with the Colts here uh, to plus four and win the game all right. So as a recap, um, I got Patriots minus seven over the Jets. Packers minus seven and a half over Washington. Arizona minus 17 and a half over Houston. Rams minus 16 over the Lions. Colts plus four over the Niners. Currently, Jack's pack is 16 and 14, so we are above 50%. Remember, the professional betting number is 61, 62%. To be a professional gambler, you need to be hitting around that on your bets. But up next, we're going to jump into the NBA and talk about what's going down there. Alrighty, and welcome into the show. And now we're going to talk about the NBA and all the windings and the drama and the craziness. And we're going to start off with it looking Steffordless for Steph right now. So he plays the Lakers opening night, has an off night shooting. I think it was like 5 of 21, something like that. But he gets a 21 point, 10 rebound, 10 assists, triple double. Warriors win um, thanks to Belicia and the rest of the team stepping up. And then last night, he goes absolutely insane on the Clippers. 45 points, including 25 points on a perfect shooting in the first quarter. Um, nails two big threes towards the end. Like I said, finishes with 45 points, 10 rebounds again. Um, and another victory, one point over the Clippers. Um, so huge win for Steph. He's looking very Stepherless right now. Having a hell of a time uh, playing good basketball, great basketball, including, I mean, he's on fire shooting the ball again. But he's stuff. He's 140-some-odd threes, maybe even less now, away from being the all-time uh, three-point make person. He'll probably push that record so far out and it'll be caught again. Um, and it's insane because he got started late, in essence. He had so many ankle problems and stuff. That's why his first contract, his first contract extension was so low. It wasn't a max because he had ankle issues. So he really didn't get hot shooting the three to right around Mark Jackson's exit. And he starts raining the 400 threes and then the 390. And then, the you know, he starts 
piling up these massive three-point seasons and he's young he's you know he's 32 33 and he's gonna push this out he may make 3,000 3,100 threes I mean the current record is 30 2,500 2,400 something like that he may make 800 900 even a thousand more threes than the current record and push it so far out it'll never be caught again it'll be sort of like how we have to take out Wilt Chamberlain for some of the scoring records because oh we took out Michael Jordan has like the highest scoring of all time well no he doesn't Wilt Chamberlain averaged 50 like three or four times like you know you're gonna have to take out Wilt Chamberlain and push him you're gonna stick out Steph Curry when it comes to shooting to even have the conversation the same way we take Wilt out now for scoring to even have the conversation like who's the greatest scorer ever well it's Wilt and honestly it's Wilt he's the only man with 100 he's the only man that average average 50 he's the only man that average ever 40 it's Wilt but we have to take Wilt out of the conversation to even have the conversation um and so we have to do that with stuff and shooting uh what he's doing right now is insane um it's overreaction friday you've got people saying well when clay comes back they're, they, they can win a title no they can't but <laughs> you know you you know you've got people already saying when clay comes back there where's the conference finalist now you're talking about they can win a title uh, no they can't but they're going to be a hell of a story they're going to be a top three or four seed because playing on a regular season random tuesday night will be an absolute travesty of a situation to try and guard and defend um but they're not title bound I don't think the NBA Finals bound. Um, I don't think the Western Conference Finals bound. But they're going to be a hell of a show all season. Uh, the Warriors are back to being primetime television and worth the watch. Uh, the Nets have some issues. Uh, we already know the Kyrie Irving situation, which we'll talk about a little bit more in a minute. Uh, they have some issues, and their issues are unfixable. They can't beat the Nets. They can't beat the Bucks. They can't. Because Giannis is going to torture whoever their bigs are. Paul Millsap, Lamarcus Aldridge, Blake Griffin, line them up. Nick Claxton, line them up, get tortured. And they don't have the requisite depth or the coaching experience to beat a team in Milwaukee that has no real flaws. You probably would want one more knockdown shooter in Milwaukee. That's about it. Because healthy, they got Bobby Porter's off the bench. Um, who's not playing right now. And they got another key player. I can't think of their name right now, but who's also hurt and not playing. So, like I said, you, you may want one more dead-eye knockdown shooter in Milwaukee. But other than that, you've got everything you'd want. They play hard every night. They play hard on both ends. Their superstar doesn't act like a superstar. He doesn't see himself as a superstar. Hell, he said, don't even call me MVP till he won the championship. Now he's saying, don't call me the best player in the world. That's still LeBron. I mean, you have... A guy who's always finding motivation. You've got a leader, like I said, in Giannis, who really doesn't have an ego. He, uh, he's constantly fighting. He has no conscience. He he himself is a ball of energy. So what does that do? That in turn pushes the team to be balls of energy back. They play hard on both ends. It's great to watch. Now the Bucks got the doors blown off last night by the Chicago Bulls, so we'll talk about it in a few minutes as well. But it's great to watch the Bucks play basketball. As for the Nets... You've got a bunch of guys now. You've got, like I said, LaMarcus Aldridge, Paul Millsap, Blake Griffin. Um, you've got some elite players. You know, you've got some elite names. You've got a Joe Harris. You've got a Patty Mills. If Patty Mills doesn't go 7 of 7 from 3 against the Bucks on opening night, you get boat raced by more than 20. You might lose by 30 or 40 if Patty Mills doesn't go insane from 3. Because he was the only one knocking down shots consistently besides Harden and KD. It's like, 
you're playing on a team where your margin for error, in my opinion, is zero. If Brooklyn plays their best and Milwaukee plays their best, Milwaukee is going to win the series. So Brooklyn is staring up at Milwaukee. They didn't see that coming. And now Ben Simmons, who will dive into the saga a little bit more, may return back to Philly. So you might be looking up at the 76ers, who just blew the doors off the Pelicans. Now, Zion was Pelicans, but the Pelicans nonetheless. I don't know where the Nets can go. You're kind of cap-strapped. I mean, Harden didn't even sign its extension yet. You're kind of cap-strapped. Because you rookie, you vet men Blake, you vet men Millsap, you vet men Aldridge, you're pretty much done. You had to get rid of DeAndre Jordan for cap purposes. Um, You are pretty much done. Um, A little bit of news. Uh, Josh Hart is out against the Chicago Bulls um, tonight. So now the Pelicans are down Zion which replaced him basically with Josh Hart. Now they're down Josh Hart. So they got to figure out another replacement for the team. Oh, the Pelicans not in a good spot at the moment, but hey, I hope they figure it out. I'm a Pelicans fan, I hope they figure it out. Uh, but, you know, Nets, you're in an interesting position. Chicago is no slouch. I just don't know how the Nets go from here. I mean, they got Katie and Harden. They'll be great. They'll be a good team. I just don't see title in the Nets' future. I don't. I, I think the Bucks are going to come back out of the East in perfect honesty with you. Speaking of the East, don't look now, but those Bulls look interesting. We said it in the preseason. They look entertaining at worst. Good ball team at best. They look interesting. Now, they were down by a good bit against the Pistons and roared back. I mean, the best three players were all on Chicago. So they roared back. Uh, and by best three, I mean DeMar, Vucevic, and uh, Levine are better than anybody on the on the Pistons, including Jeremy Grant. Uh, and the Bulls ro- roared back and won. Lonzo Ball didn't have a good game at all. But, you know, they roared back and won the game. Like I said, at worst, they're interesting. I mean, Zach Levine, DeMar DeRozan, Nikola Vucevic, Lonzo Ball, um, Alice Caruso, Kobe White. Like I said, worse, they're entertaining. And so that, you know, I don't know how they're going to exactly put pieces together uh, for a playoff run. Like, they're a good team. I just don't know if this is a playoff run kind of caliber team. I feel like Milwaukee would blow the doors off them in a four-game series. Yes, I said four-game series. Um, I feel like the Nets would boat race them, probably five or six. Philly would annihilate them. they just clamp down on defense. Um, but... You know, they're interesting nonetheless. Fourth, fifth best team in the conference is possible. Atlanta's still there. Atlanta's still alive. So, you know what I'm saying? They're the fourth or, the best, fourth or fifth best team. What I've seen out of Boston and New York in their opening class, Boston looks ready to go. How often is Tatum going to shoot 7 or 30? I don't think he's going to do that ever again in his life. And the New York Knicks are going to fight with Tom Thibodeau, and now they appear they can score. So, the Knicks and the Celtics are there as well. So, the East is entertaining. Chicago's very entertaining. I'm interested in watching them play, develop, grow more into the season. Like I said, so you've got Philly, you've got Brooklyn, you've got Milwaukee, you've got the Knicks, you've got um, Boston, you know, you've got Chicago. That's six. Charlotte, like they can play seven. So, it's going to be very interesting to see how the East shakes out. Washington played well against Toronto. Um, so, we're going to definitely keep our eye on on that 
Speaking of this Charlotte Hornets, LaMelo Ball with a great opening uh, day. 31-8-7, rather. Catherine a 20-something point comeback against the Pacers, I believe, um, including nailing some huge threes. Um, LeVar said it. When he was a ninth grader and Alonzo was basically about to be in the NBA, the baby boy is going to be better than both of my olders. Um, and it's, yeah, it's it's pretty obvious. LaMelo is better than Alonzo and he's better than Jello. Um, so he's, he's a superstar in the making. Not yet. Michael Jordan has his franchise player, has his franchise cornerstone, LaMelo. So kudos to Michael Jordan for finally getting one right. Um, but LaMelo is going to be playing his tail off for the Charlotte Hornets. And he's, and he's a superstar in Charlotte, which the NBA has done a pretty decent job of doing that. Milwaukee's a superstar. Uh, Giannis has a superstar in Milwaukee. LeBron was a superstar in Cleveland. Kevin Durant was a superstar in Oklahoma City. You don't have to be in L.A. Uh, Kawhi was a superstar in Toronto. You know, you don't have to be in L.A. You don't have to be in New York. You don't have to be in Miami to be a superstar. If you can play, the NBA will find and push you. Um, so that is something that I always find very cool about the um, NBA. Yeah, they will find and push you. And speaking of the coast, uh, the Lakers had a interesting debut. Um, Russ played poorly, but Russ has played poorly in his last three stops early. He in Houston, he was it was a little rough, and then he figured it out and went berserk. Washington was a little rough, then he figured it out and basically carried them into the playoffs in the back half of the year. Um, good news, he won't have to carry the Lakers to the playoffs. So when he figures it out and it starts to really start to roll, it'll be a huge help to LeBron and AD, both of who played well. LeBron was the best shooter on the floor, nailing five of 11 threes. Um, Anthony Davis played well, played dominant. Uh, he's going to have to continue to do so in order for the Lakers to really, really be something this year. AD's going to have to be a top five, top seven player in the world. LeBron's LeBron, not worried about him outside of injury at this point. Um, and then I think Russ is going to figure it out. It was one game. It was overreaction day all day the next day about, oh, it doesn't fit. Oh, it doesn't work. See, we told you. Um, and I think that uh, Russ is going to be just fine in L.A. Now, his numbers won't be 25, 10, and 11. But I do envision a world where Russell Westbrook is 21, 9, and 7, you know, somewhere in there um, to go with Anthony Davis's 25 and 10, and then LeBron probably 25, 8, and 6, or 25, 8, and 5, something of that nature. And, and you know, that'd be the big three. Camilla Anthony, absolutely launching threes, looking great. And the Lakers will have a few injuries themselves. Trevor Reese is out, Kendrick Nunn's out. And they're trying to figure out a way to incorporate the lack of shooting right now because a lot of their shooting is hurt. Um, so they're going to have to figure out a way to incorporate um, the lack of shooting into their lineup, play good defense, which they did not do against the Warriors, um, and rebound. It's going to have to be the way they win basketball games. And now for some news. The Ben Simmons saga continues. So earlier in the week, it was, it's over, done, finito. He came into practice with the phone that apparently was not a phone, was his folded up practice jersey in his pocket. I don't know. Um, it looked like a phone to me, but reports now are saying that it was his jersey folded up in his pocket. Um, now, today, you know, you guys have been following the story. So he said he complained about back tightness. Um, if you've been following daytime sports, you've been all over it. He complained about back tightness. Um, and then said he wasn't mentally prepared to play. And then now today, uh, I reported on a little earlier that he spoke with the entire team, including Doc Rivers and Joel Embiid, saying that 
all, everybody needs accountability, including himself. And then he was also not mentally prepared to play. But he also attended shoot-around this morning against the Nets for the Nets game. Told his team, look, I want to play. Uh, I'm just not mentally there to play. And so he's out in an indefinite amount of time uh, with trying to deal with his mental state. Um, so hopefully that gets solved. Hopefully that gets resolved. Um, and But it looks like more and more Ben Simmons is going to be a 76er this year. Now maybe he tries to get out next offseason. But it's looking at the moment that Ben Simmons will be a 76er unless some team offers what Daryl Morey is looking for, uh, which he says is going to be a championship caliber level package because he believes the Sixers can win a championship. And he is not uh, going to jeopardize that in order for uh, Ben Simmons to just get out of town. So that is something to keep an eye on because Daryl Morey said this could last four years if, he, if it has to. So we're going to keep our eye on that. Um, Kyrie Irving's situation has not changed. I've been requested to update people on that. Uh, it hasn't changed. Nothing's changed. He has no plans of getting vaccinated. The Nets have no plans of allowing him to be a half time 50% player, a little less actually, a part-time player. Um, so that situation has not changed. However, the NBA 75th anniversary team was announced. The All-75, which ended up being 76 players uh, because there was a tie apparently. Uh, all 50 players in the original 50 made it. Um, which was something that a lot of people in my generation I talked to a few people said they didn't want to happen um, because the NBA came out and said people were told just because you had an all 50 spot does not mean you have an all 75 spot. Turns out you did. Every single player from the all 50 team made the all 75 team. And they even added two players from that era. They added Dominique Wilkins and they added Reggie Miller. Because I do not believe that Reggie Miller was on the All-70, All-50 team. I, I know for a fact Dominique was not on the All-50 team. Uh, but I believe Reggie Miller was also not on the All-50 team. But he did make the All-75 team along with Dominique Wilkins. Um, you know, a lot of our current stars. So basically, they added 25 players from the last 25 years. Uh, uh, and so a lot of our current stars made it. Um, LeBron James makes it, obviously. Kevin Durant makes it. James Harden makes it. Ray Allen made it. Um, Shaq made it. He was not on the All Seventy Five on All Fifty Team. Shaq made it. Um, Tim Duncan makes it. Um, Chris Bosh. Donald. I don't believe Chris Bosh made it. But uh, you know, you think about some top names. Think about the top dog. Steph Curry makes it. Um, you know, I didn't rename Kevin Durant. So you know, when when you get a list like this, what's the phrase people do? Who was the only guy thought should have made it? Clay Thompson said, unless he's naive, he thought he should have made it. No. Yes, he has three titles. In the grand scheme of life, that's the only thing Clay Thompson's ever done. I mean, let's be honest. He has no individual accolades, no MVPs. He has all defenses, but no all defense, all not defensive player of the year. He's got a couple of all-star games, and he's won a three-point shootout or two. No, sorry. Not going to happen. Um, so another big name was Tony Parker. No. All-star games and he has four championships, um, but he was never the best player on that team. Often he was never the second best player on those teams. For the last title, he wasn't even the third best player on his team. Um, so no, Tony Parker is not getting in on an All-75 team. Um, the two biggest names that stuck out to a lot of people was no Kyrie and no Dwight Howard. No Kyrie was a big name because Dame made it. Now I think Dame's better than Kyrie. 
I think Dame as a top dog is a lot better than Kyrie as a top dog. So I have no problem with Dame being in. I won't argue that case. Kyrie is the best in the world ever at dribbling a basketball. But he does not have the longevity. has a lot of injury history. has a lot of situations that crash and burn with him. And his only ring involves playing with LeBron. So, oh, D-Wade also made it. Congratulations to D-Wade. Um, and so that being said, um, I, I'm okay. I'm, I'm okay with uh, Kyrie not being on the team. My issue lies in Dwight Howard not being on the team. How in the hell is Dwight Howard not on this team? No offense to Robert Parrish. Robert Parrish got to go. No offense to Reggie Miller. If it came down to Dwight Howard's basketball career or Reggie Miller's basketball career, Reggie Miller got to go. No offense to a lot of people from the 50s and the 60s and the 70s. Y'all got to go. Dwight Howard, there's no reason for him to not be in the All-75 team. Let's list Dwight Howard's NBA accomplishments. He's a two-time NBA block leader, a five-time NBA rebound leader, first-team All-Rookie, he All-Defensive second team in 2008. Then the next four years, he was four-time All-Defensive first team. During that 2009-2012 stretch, he collected three straight Defensive Player of the Year awards. He is a two-time All-NBA third team, a one-time All-NBA second team, a five-time All-NBA first team, an eight-time all uh, eight time all star rather and an NBA champion and the NBA championship was not one of those oh he was an old guy on the end of the bench and stole a ring David Lee style no he was the starting center on an NBA championship team he is the starting center for a Lakers championship team joining the names of Wilt, Shaq, Kareem just to name a couple Andrew Bynum, Andor Pogasol and then um, Dwight Howard how in the hell is he not on the All-NBA 75? That was such a, oh, we don't like you move. It felt like a we don't like you. That's what it felt like. We just don't like you, Dwight. Sorry. We just we just don't like you. You're not on the list. Sucks. Like I mean, it's just ridiculous. Like You got 76 players who do not have a better resume than Dwight Howard. They don't. Because a lot of those guys, especially a lot of those guys from the Celtics, were like Bill Russell's sidekicks on those Celtics team and they're in. Robert Parrish was the third best player on Boston. He's in. And those were in a Boston game. Sometimes he was the fourth best player on those Boston teams and he's in. Um, Reggie Miller, no offense. Five All-Stars, three All-NBAs. Sorry, you do, your resume doesn't stack up to Dwight Howard. He's on. Ray Allen, love him to death. Your resume doesn't stack up to Ray, uh, Dwight Howard. He's in. Dane's resume. Does not stack up to Dwight Howard. He's in. So there's no way that Dwight Howard should not be on this list. That this is going to be the equivalent of Dominique Wilkins not making it on the All-50 team. You know, this is gonna, this is what it's going to feel like. Where we do the All-100 team in 25 years. And we're going to go, man, how in the hell did Dwight Howard not make it? And then he's going to get in. So, and then we're going to have somebody else. That's not going to make it. Everyone thinks it's going to be popular. Like Imani Bates might not make it or something. You know, Bronny James might not make it. Um, that has a decent resume that won't make it or something like that. So absolutely, in my opinion, a travesty for Dwight Howard to not make it. But he didn't make it. Uh, it sucks. But up next, we're going to talk about the MLB and what's going down with the championship series.
are back and now we're going to talk about the major league baseball playoffs uh both championship series currently sit at 3-2 after the dodgers absolutely annihilated the braves last night 11-2 um to extend the series so when i talked about it last week i had houston and dodgers i said houston and dodgers are gonna make it it's gonna be the world series we pretty much all want which is two great talented teams two baseball loving cities la loves baseball now they're fickle baseball fans they will leave early um but houston is a die-hard sports city and you give houston a winner you give la a winner they will support you because the world series just like the nba championship just like the super bowl it shifts from the fan wanting in to the celebrity wanting in i remember when houston was making the playoff run uh to the world series a few years ago james harden and russell westbrook were famously behind home plate and i don't recall them ever going to a baseball game the whole season but they went to the world series um you know la's behind the plate seats become celebrities on top of celebrities on top of celebrities um or businessmen you've never heard of who are worth millions and billions of dollars all of a sudden are at these games now because you know the vibe changes it becomes the world series it becomes the nba championship houston i mean that thing turned into an orange wave when they make a playoff run they've been the five consecutive championship series um and they're trying to make it their second um world series appearance and so braves are up three two houston's up three two I still believe it will be Houston and the Dodgers. Now, the Dodgers are going through an injury spurt. Kershaw's injured. Dre Turner's injured. Uh, they've been injured all year. That's why they didn't win their 120 games like I predicted. They've been fighting injuries all season. And now they're going through them again. But I just think that they're still too talented for the Braves. Like I said, the Braves, probably two of their best four players, currently play for the Dodgers. At the start of the season, they were on the Braves. Um, we just trade Turner and Max Scherzer. Both were um, Braves, high-level Braves, both not playing for the Dodgers. Um, and so with that being said, I still think the Dodgers are just too talented um, to be held off. Based, the beauty of a series is you can't um, – sorry, Scherzer came from the Nationals. I don't know why I said Scherzer came from the Braves. Trey Turner came from the Braves. That is definitely true. Trey Turner came from the Braves. Um, yeah, I don't know why. Yeah, he was a national pitcher. I don't. It didn't sound when I said it. But Trey Turner came from the Nationals. Trey Turner came from the Braves. Max Scherzer wasn't watching national. Regardless, um, the two best um, players, you know, were now on the Dodgers, and they picked them both up. And so now the Dodgers, I think they're just too talented for the Braves. I think they are. Um, the Braves were in their bullpen to start the game last night. They do this weird thing where they do have a bullpen night where it's just you start with bullpen pitchers and you, every pitcher may see two, two and third innings and then they're switching out. And they may be six, seven pitchers, you know, but that's what that's what they do one night. And the Dodgers took advantage of it. They crushed it. Eleven to two. No, uh, there's reason guys on the bullpen because not good enough to be starters. So the Dodgers annihilated it. I personally think the Dodgers come back and win that Brave series. I just do. I think the Dodgers come back and win it. They're just too good. And I think Houston ends Boston's uh, Cinderella-like season. Um, they beat the Yankees. I mean, Boston's got to be feeling good. They beat the Yankees in the wild card game. Turn around and beat the uh, beat the Tampa Bay Rays. I'm going to say Blue Jays. Tampa Bay Rays in the uh, ALDS. 
So getting to the ALCS and putting up a fight against a really good Houston team, it's something to hang your hat on, Boston. Um, so your rebuild is, or your retool rather, won't be as bad and won't take as long as you thought. Uh, now maybe they're playing over their skis, it's possible. Um, but I got Houston closing them out, so I still got Dodgers in Houston um, making a hell of a World Series in turn, especially with the cities involved. You got Houston, you got LA. Um, absolutely great in terms of what this series is going to be. You're going to have all blue in one stadium, all orange in another. So it's going to be absolutely insane. Uh, minor news, the Yankees continue uh, shuffling their staff. They've let go another coach. The first base coach has also been fired uh, for the New York Yankees. But up next, we're going to talk about the best for last, which is going to be the WNBA Finals and the champion, Chicago Sky. Alrighty, and welcome into the show. Welcome into Best for Last, and we are going to talk about the WNBA champion Chicago Sky. Big congratulations to them. Huge kudos to them, led by Finals MVP and rising star in the league, Kalia freaking Copper KFC has arrived in Chicago. Um, what a game, what a series, what a finals. I mean, what a playoffs, what a season by the WNBA in their 25th year. Candace Parker completed the mission she set out to achieve when she decided to leave from Los Angeles. She spent her entire career to come and basically take her talents to Chicago. She won a title her first year, her second of her career. As for the city of Chicago, it is their first WNBA championship ever, and it is their first basketball, major basketball championship since the Chicago Bulls in 1998, led by Michael Jordan. So huge for the city of Chicago, um, led by, man, some big names on this team, Ali Quigley, Courtney Vandersloot, Diamond DeShields, Stephanie Dolson, uh, Candace Parker, and obviously finals MVP, Kalia Copper. Um, led by head coach and general manager James Wade. Uh, but you know, congratulations to the Phoenix Mercury, they were the five seed and came out of the other side, uh, knocking off the two seed Las Vegas Aces, you know. And then, um, Chicago had to go to their own battle as the six seed, having to knock off MVP John Quill Jones and the number one seed Connecticut's son. Um, these were the five and the six seed, you know, Diana Taurasi reportedly broke a door, uh, after uh, the finals loss. And the Mercury were fined 10 grand because of media availability protocols stuff. Who cares? Um, the Chicago Sky allegedly brought the alleged door to the parade, um, which was a show. I mean, especially at the end when they got there and all the crowd was there. It reminded me of when Candace Parker was walking off the court, you know, holding back emotions with her daughter looking around the arena at the full SunTrust Arena saying they all came. They all came. Um, I would have loved for that to be in the United Center, but SunTrust is the Chicago Sky home. But I would have loved to have that been in the United Center, downtown Chicago. You know, filling that bad boy up for a title parade would have been amazing. A title run would have been amazing. Um, but she was right. They did all come. You had Scottie Pippen. You had Chance the Rapper. You had several other Chicago legends and big names in Chicago going to the game. It was packed. It was sold out for games three and four. 
And uh, Candace said that she had three opportunities at closeout game fours on her home floor in her career, and she's lost all three of them. And she was not trying to let that happen again, and she didn't. You know, the sky had a big comeback in the fourth quarter and was capped, or the comeback was complete by Candace Parker. She nails a big time three uh, right in the corner, apparently where her family and friends were, because right after the buzzer, she takes off running. And that's right where she goes into that, basically that corner. Now she hit it on the wing, but she ran to that corner of the court um, to hug a group of people. Her family, her friends sat in that corner. And so that's where she ends up nailing the big shot. Um, it was very storybook. Uh, can't she, like I said, she did her mission. She got the job done. She brought it back. Big ups to Kalea Copper for becoming a rising star in this league. Um, big ups to the WNBA on a great 25th season. So they've closed the first quarter of history in WNBA. Um, you know, you know, Diana Taurasi was voted on by the fans as the GOAT. It was, you know, all around amazing, uh, season. Candace Park completes a comeback mission. Um, in 2020 or 2019, she was voted the most overrated by her peers. Uh, she was benched in the playoff game. She also, like I said, in the playoff game by Derek Fisher, maybe 2020 actually. And then so she all, yeah, last year. And so she ultimately leaves, um, LA, coming to Chicago and she wins a championship. Um, so could not have been sweeter for Candace Parker. Um, huge, huge congratulations to her and the rest of the Chicago Sky organization, um, on winning the WNBA title. But that is all we have for today. Uh, I thank you guys for joining. I thank you guys for listening in and um, giving me a piece of your weekend. So I hope you guys have a great rest of your weekend. Um, this is your host, Justin Jackson, signing out. <laughs>